Hello, my friends, and welcome to Music for a While. I'm Jay Nordlinger, music critic of the new Criterion. There's some really good music coming up. The starry young Korean pianist, Seong Jin Cho, gave a recital in Carnegie Hall. He opened with the harmonious blacksmith. Huh? Formally, the work is called the Suite No. 5 in E Major by Handel. It ends with an air and variations, and this is known as the harmonious blacksmith. Why? Well, there are many explanations or conjectures, but the bottom line is nobody knows for sure. But what a wonderful thing this is, the whole suite, but the air and variations in particular. We'll hear this section, the concluding movement of the suite, in the finest recording of it I know the one made in 1997 by Murray Pariah.
The concluding movement of Handel's Suite No. 5 in E, The Harmonious Blacksmith, played by the great Murray Pariah. I once knew a Sephardic couple. They said the name should really be pronounced Perahya. In Weil Recital Hall, Samantha Hankey sang a recital. She's a mezzo-soprano from Massachusetts. Very fine singer. Not long after her recital, she began a run of Der Rosenkavalier at the Met. Her part was Octavian. On her recital program was a Strauss song, speaking of that composer, the composer of Der Rosenkavalier. This is a special song, Malven. What's so special about it? All of Strauss's songs are special, right? They are. But this is the last song he ever wrote, and the last piece of music he ever wrote. He wrote it in November 1948 at the Montreux Palace Hotel in Switzerland. He then sent it to Maria Yaritza, the soprano. The song is dedicated as follows. To my beloved Maria, this last rose. Evidently, Yeritsa sat on it. Not very nice, I'd say. It was discovered after she died in the 1980s. It was given its premiere by Kiri Tekanoa. The first time I heard it was from the mouth of Jesse Norman on a recording. Malvin means hollyhocks. I'm using a translation by Richard Stokes. The poet is Betty Verley Knobel. From among roses, flocks, flowering zinnia, hollyhocks soar up in the garden without scent or crimson fire, like a tear-stained pallid face beneath the golden light of heaven. And then they drift away gently, gently on the wind, these tender blooms, these servants of summer. The soprano, Jesse Norman, the pianist, Jeffrey Parsons.
Malvin by Richard Strauss, His Last Song, His Last Rose, sung by Jesse Norman with Jeffrey Parsons in a recording made in 1985. I will read briefly from a review of mine. The name Luciano Berrio is a byword for modernism, but the late composer had ample respect and even affinity for the past. In 1975, he produced a strange and wonderful little work, an orchestral treatment of a piece for string quintet written by a fellow Italian who had lived 200 years before, the fellow Italian, Baccarini. His piece, Ritirata Notturna di Madrid. One morning, a concert of the New York Philharmonic began with Berio's treatment. Let me now give Berio's full title in English. Four original versions from Luigi Baccarini's Withdrawal by Night in Madrid, superimposed and transcribed for orchestra. Kind of a mouthful, right? The deal is this. You hear a band approach, a city watch or guard. It gets louder and louder, and then it recedes or retreats, getting softer and softer. That kind of thing. Baccarini's piece was wildly popular in his day, and Berio handles it with such affection and skill. Let's hear Baccarini Berioized.
I'll read that long title again. Four original versions from Luigi Baccarini's Withdrawal by Night in Madrid, superimposed and transcribed for orchestra, by Luciano Berrio. We heard the Giuseppe Verdi Symphony Orchestra of Milan, conducted by Ricardo Chailly. There is an Egyptian soprano, yes, you heard that right, an Egyptian soprano, named Fatma Said, who sings an array of music. Formidable singer and artist. In Weil Recital Hall, she sang a recital with a guitarist, a Spaniard, Rafael Aguirre. The program, of course, was principally Spanish, with some Arab songs thrown in. I propose we hear a song by Federico Garcia Lorca, the poet and playwright, the very same. That talented fellow wrote music as well. We will hear his Sevillanas, performed by the aforementioned duo of Said and Aguirre. A song by Garcia Lorca, Sevillanas from the 18th Century, 
from 13 old Spanish songs. The soprano Fatma Said with the guitarist Rafael Aguirre. I'll read from a review of mine. As the lights dimmed at the Metropolitan Opera, the young man sitting beside me said to his companion, Oh my God, I'm so excited. He and we were about to see and hear Lohengrin, Wagner's opera. That is exciting indeed. It so is, and I love the young man's blatant enthusiasm, his utter lack of jadedness. Nothing in music says excitement or exuberance more than the prelude to Act Three of this opera, Lohengrin. Do you agree?
from Wagner's opera Lohengrin, the prelude to Act Three, played by the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra under Herbert von Karajan. In a review, I had occasion to say this. Lots of conductors have been pianists or semi-pianists. Bruno Walter accompanied Kathleen Ferrier in recital. Wilhelm Furtwängler accompanied Elisabeth Schwarzkopf in recital. At the 1953 Salzburg Festival, they performed an all-Wolf program. George Zell did a fair amount of piano playing. He was good. Although I once asked Leon Fleischer, what did you think of Zell's playing? And he answered, it was wooden. A fair or fairish remark. Some conductors were real pianists, concert pianists, before they took up the baton. Christoph Eschenbach and Vladimir Ashkenazi come to mind. There are conductors who could have been pianists, real pianists, full-time pianists, if they had chosen. Leonard Bernstein, James Levine. Mstislav Rostropovich, of course, was a great cellist who then became a conductor. But do you know that he was an excellent pianist, too? A dizzyingly talented person. In January 2001, Lauren Mazel marked his 70th birthday by playing the Brahms Violin and Piano Sonatas with Yefim Bronfman at Carnegie Hall. Mazel had been a hotshot violinist when young, but he had spent his life conducting. Was he imposing himself that evening? playing the violin when some real violinist could have been doing so? Was Mazel using or abusing his position as the maestro to put himself forward, thereby taking the bread out of some poor fiddler's mouth? I think I thought so at the time. I hesitate to look up my review. But I have loosened up since then. There is something nice and often gratifying about seeing, hearing, a famed conductor, play his instrument. Could Maxime van Gerhoff, let's say, have done a better job in the Brahms sonatas? Sure. Could Franz Rupp or Gerald Moore have done a better job with... Whoop, that was job. I could do a better job. Could one of them have done a better job with Schwarzkopf in that Wolf recital? No doubt. But so what? I bet that the Salzburg audience was tickled to see Furtwängler that once, in that role. Well, let's go back to Salzburg in 1953 and hear Maestro Wilhelm Furtwängler accompany Elisabeth Schwarzkopf in a Wolf song, Die Spröde. Oh, 
Elizabeth Schwarzkopf, the soprano, and Wilhelm Furtwängler, the conductor, or rather the pianist, in Die Sprede by Hugo Wolf. Speaking of voice recitals, Samantha Hankey in New York sang two encores. The final one was a song kind of popular, kind of classical, a tweener by Kurt Weil, words by Ogden Nash. It comes from the musical One Touch of Venus. I'm talking about Speak Low. The words go, Speak low when you speak, love. Speak low when you speak, comma, love. Nash took it from Shakespeare. Speak low if you speak love. No comma. That's from Much Ado About Nothing. Oh, it's a wonderful song. I don't have Samantha Hankey for you, but I do have the great Swedish mezzo-soprano and Sophie von Otter, who can sing anything, anything under the sun. Thanks for joining me, everybody, and I'll see you later. Summer day.